This is COVID-19 Seattle. I'm Dave Ross. And I'm Aaron Granillo. First, let's recap Wednesday night's political debates and how candidates tackled the coronavirus conversation. Here in Washington State, Governor Jay Inslee and his challenger Republican police chief Lauren Culp socially distanced for their virtual face-off. They did not see eye to eye on just about every issue, including how to respond to the pandemic. Here's Governor Jay Inslee. Are we going to step up and fight the COVID pandemic? Or are we going to do uh, belittle it, to uh, ignore it, and in some sense surrender to it? And Lauren Culp. I firmly believe in individual freedom and liberty. I believe in safety, obviously. I've been working in public safety for the last 10 years. The problem is when we have one person sitting in the governor's office telling everyone what they're going to wear, whether they're going to go to work or whether they're not going to go to work. So that seems to be sort of the crux of this months long conversation we've been having uh, government intervention versus individual responsibility. Yes. And Chief Culp says that his whole idea is give people as much freedom as possible. He wasn't saying that he was against wearing a mask or that he was against shutting down businesses that could spread the disease. He simply said that you have to trust people to do the right thing. Give them the information they need and then trust them to do the right thing. Sort of the uh, sort of the the Swedish plan. Hmm. So here's what he would do. As governor, I would put out the information with medical professionals, tell everyone what's going on, what they should do to protect themselves and what might happen if they don't and make sure the supply chain is open for the equipment that's needed and then let free individual citizens decide what's best for themselves, their family and their business. As for the governor, he said he would continue to base his decisions on the science and says the numbers prove that his approach works. What we have done in our social distancing, in our masking campaign, because Washingtonians are not listening to Donald Trump and frankly, uh, Chief Culp, they are wearing masks. They are socially distancing. And as a result of that, we have lowered our infection rate dramatically. Tonight, we were fortunate 45 other states in the United States have higher infection numbers, some five, ten times more than the state of Washington. And Inslee said his response has saved countless lives, and he adds that no court has struck down any of his stay-home orders. But Dave, does Lauren Culp make a good case here? I mean, we all know by now what we should be doing to protect ourselves why not open things up and just trust people to be responsible? Well, we're kind of doing that. The reason, though, for having a statewide mandate is just to be fair. If some restaurants can afford to reopen because they can afford the the plexiglass and the rest and the others can't, then what do you do? Um, You have businesses which would go out of business. I mean, everybody's having trouble staying open, but you have businesses that have to close up even sooner because um, they can't afford to to make the necessary changes. Now, I, I like the idea of trying to be fair by giving businesses a subsidy of some kind to to do that kind of work. Uh, but I don't know that the state was ready to do that in the beginning. But I think we're there now. I mean, you're hearing reports. I think we heard one this morning, in fact, that surveys indicate that masking up has now become pretty much standard practice. Uh, complaints are down. And we're seeing that in our infection numbers here, which are pretty good compared to the rest of the country. And also to add to that, a recent poll by Como News and Strategies 360 has found that nearly 60 percent of the state's voters support how Inslee has handled the virus. That would seem to bode well at the ballot box for Inslee. And 
you know, what he said last night. Well, he does have an advantage, and this goes beyond, of course, the response to COVID or the response to the restrictions on firearms, which got Lauren Culp in the news mm-hmm. in the first place. He has a fairly thin resume. The, the police department he runs is him. He's the chief and the only officer in Republic. Now, I, I thought that he came off pretty well. He didn't have any, he wasn't stuck for answers to the questions uh, last night. He held his own with the governor, I thought. And I thought it was uh, kind of a low blow to call him a mini Trump. Yes. I didn't I didn't see him as a, as a mini Donald Trump. But of course, that's the tactic the Democrats want to use against Republicans this year. And so uh, Jay Inslee was was following the book. But I will say that if uh, if Lauren Culp is serious about a career in politics, uh, why not run for state legislature? Gets uh, get a few years of experience under his belt there, and uh, and then go for go for higher office because um, I like I say I think he he held his own he did not embarrass himself as far as I could tell, and um, seemed to have a lot of uh, rational ideas which might be different from what I would do or different from the governor, but he didn't come across as crazy. Yeah, what do you make of Inslee's response to the whole unemployment? fiasco going on in our state. That seemed to be, uh, I think for a lot of people, one of his one of his lowlights of the night with thousands of people still waiting for first time checks. Well, he basically admitted last night that they were swamped. They had 10 times the claims that they were they were uh, able to handle. And the fact that people are still not able to get through is a terrible thing. What I don't know is whether we are worse off than other states. The state has had problems for many years trying to upgrade computer systems and get on top of this kind of thing. Um, The problem they faced was in the beginning to make sure that everybody did get their checks on time, they decided not to implement certain security procedures. And as you recall, they got slammed because of all the fraud that went on. So I I guess you got to choose. I think all of us understand what it's like to try to log into a site like your like your benefits plan or something else. And because of added security, you're asked for a password. They make you change your password. You forget your password. It's annoying. And uh, until there's a better way to protect against computer fraud, I'm afraid this kind of thing is, is going to happen. What I did not see was anybody at the state level, for example, trying to uh, deliberately get a piece of the money for their own personal game. Mm. This was an attempt to impose tighter security, which means that sometimes even innocent people get shut out. And those cases have to be handled one at a time. And if you're having essentially 10 times the numbers of one-on-one calls as you had before, uh, either you got to hire a lot of employees, a lot of, a lot more employees and train them up, which is a huge expense, or People end up waiting. Let's go to Salt Lake City now, where Vice President Mike Pence and Senator Kamala Harris faced off last night for their first and only debates, socially distanced and protected by plexiglass. Harris, a former prosecutor, tried to deliver an indictment of the Trump administration's handling of the pandemic. The American people have witnessed what is the greatest failure of any presidential administration in the history of our country. And she laid out her case. 210,000 dead people in our country in just the last several months. Over 7 million people who have contracted this disease. One in five businesses closed. We're looking at frontline workers who have been treated like sacrificial workers. We are looking at over 30 million people 
who in the last several months had to file for unemployment. Vice President Pence, who also leads the White House Coronavirus Task Force, defended the U.S. response. He also dodged this question by moderator Susan Page. Why is the U.S. death toll as a percentage of our population higher than that of almost every other wealthy country? And you have two minutes to respond without interruption. He did not respond directly to that question, but he did lay out the president's early actions. Before there were more than five cases in the United States, all people who had returned from China. President Donald Trump did what no other American president had ever done. And that was he suspended all travel from China, the second largest economy in the world. Now, Senator Joe Biden opposed that decision. He said it was xenophobic and hysterical. But I can tell you, having led the White House Coronavirus Task Force, that that decision alone by President Trump bought us invaluable time to stand up the greatest national mobilization since World War II. And I believe it saved hundreds of thousands of American lives. I think actually there is agreement that stopping most travel, he didn't stop all travel from China, but stopping travel did probably slow down the infection. But after that, This whole deal about how masks make you look weak was catastrophic. The idea that it suddenly became a a badge of honor or or one of the ways to prove your loyalty or your support of the president not to wear a mask that clearly helped this thing spread a lot farther than it had to. And you can see just by the way it spread through the uh, a lot of the red states uh, as this became the more popular thing to do. Um, And what made it worse, of course, was when we heard the Bob Woodward recordings indicating that President Trump knew full well that what he was giving was bad advice. And yes, Senator Harris brought those recordings up because we know President Trump told Woodward that he did not want to create a panic. How calm were you when your kids were sent home from school and you didn't know when they could go back? How calm were you? you? When your children couldn't see your parents because you were afraid they could kill them. But Pence did not waver. Now, President Trump, I will tell you, has boundless confidence in the American people, and he always spoke with confidence that we'd get through this together. But when you say it hasn't worked, when Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks and our medical experts came to us in the second week of March, they said if the president didn't take the unprecedented step of shutting down roughly half of the American economy, that we could lose 2.2 million Americans. But that's the reality. Okay, that sounds really good. But we also know, as you've mentioned, the whole, you know, flouting any advice on masks and President Trump undermining his own health experts, including Dr. Fauci, um, that the response was probably not as strong as it could have been. And he tried to turn the tables on Senator Harris later on when the issue of a vaccine came up. And she said Mm -hmm. she would take a vaccine if it was okayed by the experts, but not if it was just okayed by Trump. And then uh, Mike Pence said, you're doing a disservice mm-hmm. by sowing doubts about the vaccine, Senator Harris. Yeah. So they were both pretty good debaters. They pretty successfully found the flaws in each other's argument. I think the part that might have hurt him, though, was the number of times he interrupted her uh, to the point where she just sort of said, I'm speaking. May I finish? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. from what I'm hearing, a lot of women are relating to that yeah. today. I, I I think that was probably a... 
a line that they had practiced. Yes. But he, yeah, I think so. I don't think that was an accident. Yes. Uh, okay, so was any of this, though, enough to move the needle? Did it change anybody's I mind think, or sway undecided yeah. voters? I, I think the best comment I saw was on Twitter. I, I, I forget who tweeted it out, but um, the comment was, this debate was clearly won by the candidate you were already planning on supporting. And uh, I think that probably encapsulates it. So beyond just the debates last night, there was also a lot of coronavirus news that happened in this past week. So let's wrap up the episode with some need-to-know news uh, that happened just in the past few days. The Food and Drug Administration released stricter guidelines for vaccine developers, guidelines that practically guarantee we will not see a vaccine approved before Election Day. Initially, we heard the president might decide to delay those tougher standards, but I have a feeling that after his little bout with COVID, uh, he decided it was best to go with the science. The CDC this week acknowledged that coronavirus can spread via airborne transmission. That means the virus can survive in aerosols. Those are tiny particles that are much smaller than wet droplets. And these tiny virus aerosols can linger after a cough or sneeze and can travel much further than six feet. There's a coronavirus outbreak at the University of Washington on Greek Row that seems to be getting worse, not better. The number of confirmed cases in the community has climbed 37 percent, making this officially worse than their last major outbreak back in June. But students nearby have reported that the parties are still happening. Allison Grandy, our partner Cairo 7 TV, took a camera out there on Saturday. We watched these guys playing beer pong on Greek Row on Saturday afternoon. Plenty of red solo cups, no masks. The young men saw our camera and didn't seem to care. It's this type of socializing the health department says is to blame for the recent outbreak. University and public health officials have met with chapter presidents and asked for COVID-19 prevention plans from each house. They've also written letters to the parent organizations of each fraternity and sorority asking for compliance. You can now get an at-home coronavirus test kit in Washington. The tests are available through Safeway and Albertsons. You can either pick up a kit at their pharmacies or have it mailed to your home. Here's the catch. Each test costs about $140, and they cannot bill your insurance for that. You'd have to pay out of pocket, and then, if you have insurance, file for reimbursements. We're going to put a link for those at-home tests in our episode description if you'd like one. You have to reserve it online in advance, and we'll also add the link for the free testing sites across Seattle. Seattle Playgrounds reopened Tuesday after having been closed since March, but there are a handful of new rules. So there can only be five kids on a play structure at a time. You should wash your child's hands before and after play. And all children over the age of two must wear a mask, but there are some exceptions to that. For children with disabilities. The city warned that they will not be cleaning or sanitizing the play areas more than they normally do. They've also asked families to stay for a shorter time so everybody has the opportunity to play and to try to visit parks that are more off the beaten path. And some popular parks around Seattle are also reopening their parking lots starting October 19th. They've been closed all summer to slow crowding. A couple of highlights, Gasworks, Golden Gardens, and Karkik. So go out and have fun. We will be back with you next Thursday to discuss the latest coronavirus news. And don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast. You can also find our news coverage at MyNorthwest.com or listen live on 97.3 FM.